Welcome everybody to the RSN Podcast. This is Best and Worst Gimmicks. Today we're here to discuss the best and worst gimmicks of the WWE. I'm with my man Rich. Also What's up guys? Yep, yeah, with my man Nick from PWO, Pro Wrestling Opinion. What's going best on? Yeah. Best site for all the up-to-date, up latest news, reviews, latest happenings, all that, everything. We had our last podcast for Rise and Fall of WCW, and it's crazy. A lot of people have watched it. A lot of people have done a lot of comments on it. Fantastic. We'd love to see your views. We'd love to see what you guys have to say. We'd love to see a lot of feedback, and it's wonderful, you know? It's great. How about you, Nick? How's PWO looking? Uh, everything's actually, you know, everything's going up. Um, a lot of people are checking out the most recent posts, you know, as, as of this conversation, which would be the review on Battleground 2015. Uh, it was a buzzworthy event, you know, um, unless you've been under a rock, you know, The Undertaker's back, he's out for revenge. He's yeah. back. We had a couple of other good matches, so, you know, usually when a big return like that happens, a lot of interest gets generated, and it shows off in what we do, and we love each and every one of you guys that come out to check us out, and we just hope you stick around, because you got a Nick, lot more how did... stuff coming. Nick, how did the review for Beast in the East go? Well, that that was good. Um, pretty much everyone was expecting to tune in for a title change and a Kofi Kingston squash, and sure enough, that's what happened. Uh, oh, think... wait, you're talking about the title change of Finn Balor beating Kevin Owens, right? You mean? Yep, yep, that one, that one. A uh, really good match. Uh, you know, if you haven't seen it, I definitely recommend you check it out. Probably a career performance thus far for Balor. Uh, he's come a long way since Japan, but in terms of his WWE NXT stint, probably his best performance to date. Um, I'm sure he's going to do really good things as NXT champion. And well, as don't get used knows, to don't get used to seeing him as champ because Dean Ambrose leaked on an interview by October, I believe. He said Finn Balor would be up on the main roster. Oh, I'm not doubting that, definitely. But I also think at the same time, he should also build up the NXT Championship. I mean, they've proven that they could bring the NXT Championship up. So it's just a matter of seeing what happens with that. I like the whole Diva call-up. I think that's amazing. Uh, there's elements of good and bad, mostly good. I mean, the faction warfare thing seems a little silly to me, but at the same time, it creates a, a pretty good lineup of matches. I just think they're trying us a little bit too hard with it. I mean, I don't think they need to have all nine of the women, like, out for every one, one of their matches. Uh, you know, it seems, the format seems a little, uh, you know bad at the moment, but, you know, they, they got good stuff going, so I'm sure they'll come around for it. Indeed. I mean, uh, I mean, you can see that review online on PWO. You can also see our review. We had our review also on the RSN channel. Me and Rich, we compiled our own, on our own review. Uh, it's on the YouTube page. We discussed, you know, in depth about what was going on that night. We discussed, you know, how we felt about it, what was going on uh, in our way in and our way out. We, you know... I mean, it's the same point that Nick, you know, same degree. We were all going through the same stuff. You know, we all had the same views. So, I mean, you know, we had on one side, you know, Nick on his site with PWO with the written review, and we had us with the video review. So, you know, you got two perspectives. You know, you got to see what was there. 
this is what we had to offer, you know. But um, you know, hopefully we get more reviews going on. I know we're trying to plan on getting a SummerSlam review, and um, also possibly in the near future we're probably gonna have a bunch of other podcasts, but that's still debatable. But well, now, we want to try and get a preview of just the Lesnar Taker rivalry. Yes, yes, we wanted to get that, but again, you know. If you guys have any topics, if you guys think that we should do anything, please leave anything in the comments. You know, subscribe, comment. We got a Facebook page, all that. But now let's get down to the stuff, the real nitty gritty. So, gimmicks. Let me ask you guys something. Gimmicks. <laughs> when we see a gimmick, you know, it's kind of like something that's it defines a character. You know, a character gimmick, same thing. You know, it defines somebody for the rest of their career. They change, they come. You know, things happen. Things change, injuries, all that. You know, people come in, in and out. You know, there's always something going on. They're paired with something. Do you feel that the gimmick makes the person, or the person has to make the gimmick? Mm, the person has to make the gimmick, and it, I agree. It, it varies on what exactly it is. I mean, as we've seen in pro wrestling, there's been a whole variety of different gimmicks. But I, I feel like the best person can pull it off no matter what they're given. Like, he's not in my pick. You know, it might be one of yours. I don't know. But I, I'd point to a guy like Cody Rhodes. If you look at that guy, he, he's had about five, six different gimmicks, kind of like an evolution of his character. And I'd say he's like a prime example of someone who could take something no matter what and make it work on his own, you know, abilities. And on the opposite. And on the opposite side, you have someone like Randy Orton. Doesn't really have a gimmick. Neither heel or face. He just plays himself perfect. So he's the man with no gimmick, but is amazing at it. At the same time, though, I, I think, you know, he kind of does have a purpose. Like when he had the whole Legend Killer thing and... Then he, you know, um, the Viper. You know, it's not a gimmick, but it's sort of like a personality. You know, some kind of yeah. uh, characteristic that's attached to him. So you know, while it's not a but gimmick, was... elements of what makes the gimmick work is what you know is what's drawn to Orton, and that's why it actually works because he plays it off so well. Yeah. Yeah, you guys are right to a degree. You know, about the evolution of a person as they develop in their career. As things change, as things you know happen to them, and as the environment changes, but um, I mean, yeah, you guys, you know, you guys are right about, you know, totally right. You know, a character evolves as it evolves. Things change, things happen, you know. But um, I mean, you guys had really good, you know, uh, you know, it was like opposite sides of the argument. You know, it's like okay, we had Cody Rhodes, Randy Orton, two different personalities. And, I mean, you know, looking at what corporate, you know, probably looking at what WWE, like the writing staff, what they're looking at, you know, we can only speak as fans. You know, we could probably say that they're probably testing them in a way, you know. Do you feel like they're being tested sometimes and saying, okay, you know, you're, okay, so let's see, uh, you know, we'll give you the, the gimmick terrorizing, you know, because, you know, you're just, you look like a bad motherfucker, you know. Let's just go ahead and have, give you a gimmick like that. Do you think that's changed now because, you know, uh, now they're not really giving anyone gimmicks anymore, you know. They're actually, they're just, they're telling them, okay, it's more in tune with what who they really are, you know. Like, what would you guys agree with that? I would agree with that, except there's 
King Barrett, um, our truth is kind of parading around with the robe. Uh, who else do we got? We got the New Day, which I, I love their act, but essentially they're like mo uh, condescending motivational speakers. But I Dallas can't stand that gimmick. So you know, it, it, there's not as much of it, but you know, I think it still has its place. So I think we'll still continue to see it happen. It's just a matter of, you know, who could rock what gimmick. And do you think they're ever being tested in a way? Like, you know, do you ever feel like they're, like, it's a way for them to, like, you know, for the staff to throw them a challenge and say, oh, you know, let's see if this guy can do this and then see if he can get in tune with his own character. Because, I mean, you see characters like that all the time. Like, um, you know, I mean, if you look way, way back, you know, at the developmental, all the guys down there in NXT have something that's in tune with their personality. I mean, I was seeing in the uh, the documentary that ESPN did on E60 with uh, NXT and its evolution. Yep. They were trying to, you know, incorporate people, and, and it was a high emphasis, if you ever seen it, that they were trying to make people in tune with who they actually are. They weren't actually going for, you know, oh, you know, let's just give you this and see what you can do with that. But, like Corey like, Graves. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like, you know, we even really have a time, you know, we, we really didn't get a chance to see him fully develop, but, you know, it looked like they were kind of hinting something, saying, that, okay, this is what he might be, and this is what he might go down. Because if you ever looked at it, and whenever, whenever you look at storylines, whenever you look at heel turns, face turns, we always look at the gimmick. We always see, okay, you know, where can this go? How can it develop someone's character? And but how like, long can it last? Indeed. I mean, if you've seen... Um, like, I'm, I'm talking way back. Look at, for example, Eva Marie. If you've seen her, I mean, you know, if you've seen all the stuff that she's doing on Instagram she's, uh, and all the stuff, you know... All I the, think she's going to be a monster when she comes back. I disagree. I think, I mean, if you see her personality, she has the personality and she has the attitude probably that, fuck this business, I'm using this as a stepping stone. And, I mean, a lot of people have said that no, this is this isn't a stepping stone. This is the actual this is the rocket ship. You're on the fucking rocket ship. You're going up. See, that's where I could disagree with you though, Sal. Mm -hmm. I think when she comes back, which will be tomorrow on NXT, I think she's gonna play the ultimate diva heel. Being the fact everyone hates her, but proving to everyone that she's gonna train it with Brian Kendrick and making her one of the top athletic divas. I think they could interpret that into her character to make her one of the best diva heels to I mean, show I, she's amazing now. Yeah, I understand that, but um, you know, like as far as development goes, I mean, you, know, you gotta think when WWE's hiring someone uh, and looking at a gimmick, they're really actually investing in someone. They're they're actually investing in a product. So do they really want someone that's you know that can only stay one character at one point, or do they want someone that's flexible? Because let's say you know the next big thing comes in, and he's the same thing as Eva, let's say, for example. Eva's the heel. Let's say another great heel comes. Let's say a CM Punk, a, fit, a female CM Punk comes out. You know, what's going to happen then? That'll be the day. <laughs> that, that, would, would never, that would never happen, but in imaginary world, okay. I see that, what you're saying. That might happen. I'm telling you, but there's a possibility. There might be someone that is much more flexible with the way that they can be. They can be heel, they can be face, and WWE will look at them and say, hey, this is much easier. We don't have to deal with trying to develop them. We don't have to give that much work, you know? So, I mean, they're probably looking for the easiest way, but also the one that's the most effective. But, as you know, as far as I see, 
Eva, like, you know, it's just, I don't really think, you know, as her attitude goes, she's, you know, there's nothing there to develop, you know? I mean, you know, as far as in-ring skills, you know, she could do whatever promo, they can do that. But character, how, the, you know, that's kind of a question to me, you know? That's why I kind of but, pulled out, you know? But time will tell. It starts tomorrow. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Maybe tomorrow, maybe, you know, we'll have to see what happens. But if anything, she does have a great trainer, though. Spanky, Brian Kendrick, amazing athlete. Indeed, I, I agreed on that, yeah. I mean, Brian Kendrick, a great list of accomplishments, great superstar. It's How, just injuries sent him back. Indeed, they should. I think that they've the way that they've had it, they you know, he's prone to injuries, he's been in the wrong place at the wrong time. But, I mean, we've had, you know, best gimmicks, um, you know, some of the best gimmicks that ever arised were people that are actually in tune with their character or they were able to, you know, divert from who they really are, you know? And truly, you know, it's like they wear a mask and they can actually stay that person and then move away. But, I mean, if you ever notice, some of the people with the best gimmicks have gone into Hollywood, have gone into other realms of entertainment, you know? And and some of them have really good potential. So, you know, I mean, that's you know up to us. You know, we'll have to see. So, right now, what we're going to do, we're going to discuss... Are the best gimmicks that we think that are in the WWE. Start with you, Rich. Well, are we going WWE history? Yeah, WWE history. Yeah. Okay. I'd say, I'd, I'd say uh, all time, or you know, what in your opinion? All right. Starting off the list with my best gimmick, I go back to early '90s. He just came back. Obviously, that gives away the answer. The Dead Man, Undertaker. Any of his gimmicks, I find were the best in that era. Well, let's uh, dissect his um, history. You know, like he debuted in uh, 1990 in uh, Survivor Series. Um, he was playing what the uh, the Million Dollar Man's uh, what was it? Another man in the group. He was like that. You know that figure. He was, he was like the muscle. He was he was the they introduced him as the like as the million dollar man. I don't know what it's called. Well, I don't the, think I'm thinking of a term. Well, Brother Love actually brought him in. Really? Yeah, Brother Love brought him in. But wasn't Teddy Biasi that um he orchestrated the whole thing, right? That's the storyline supposedly. Yeah, but building up to that, mm -hmm. Brother Love started it. True. I mean, if you've seen his career, he's had multiple managers. You know. Um, with Paul Bearer, you know, uh, Brother the Love. One he had, though. I mean, you know what? You know the way that they had it. It was, you know, do you think that he ever he did it all by himself, or you know, like, what what the you know would the manager actually have helped him? You know, because if you've seen for a significant while, he actually had Paul Bearer on his side, and that's how he really got over. It. You know, people looked at him and said, oh, you know, this guy is something. You know, damn, like you know, he got this creepy old guy with him. Fuck, you know, damn, we got some attention to him. Or do you think, like, you know, him by himself was pretty good? Like, for example, let's compare him in the Attitude Era with Bearer. To and the American then Badass. To American Badass. Or let's say, how about, um, I say, Ruthless Aggression Era, Dead Man. You know? Well, you know how to switch with the times. That's the main thing. Yeah, um, you can keep up with whoever it is. Yeah, the, I mean, the Attitude Era, he had, like, the corporate ministry, he was, he was at the top of the at the card, you know, 
I think he had a, a world championship run, a, a brief one, albeit. But, you know, yeah. he was up there fighting with Austin. I don't know if you remember SummerSlam 98. That was pretty much the top of the card. Kind of ironic that almost 20 years later that uh, Taker's going to be main eventing SummerSlam again in the same arena. So, so you know, it's just funny. Uh, not the same arena, but, you know, close to it. Uh, this time in Brooklyn, but... It, 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 yeah, it all kind of comes around full circle. But then it, it, the Ruthless Aggression era, it was also a, a kind of a different step up for the Tigger character because he was evolving, you know, from the badass to, you know, slowly more of a biker. Um, it, he just had, like, kind of a heelish edge to him. You know, he, he didn't really care who or what came at him. He would just well, take you on that last ride, and, you know, that was it. Well, that's, that's a testament to, you know, what's made Taker work over the years, and that's been, you know, evolving his character. Now, he was, I guess yeah, he, he was able to adapt. I mean, you're right. Yeah, you know, I'm sorry. Yeah, what were you saying? Well, the, the only bad thing in that situation would be the fact that, you know, well, hold on. I'm actually getting a phone call. <laughs> sorry about this one. All right, we'll do an edit. Sure. It's cool. Hello? Yeah. But I was saying. I'm doing a conversation. Oh, yeah, I've seen that jab at Owens, man. That was a good ticket. Yeah, man. Nah, man. Owens is a shit. Fuck Owens. I'm still mad what they did. Fuck fuck Finn Balor. Owens is going back down to the mid card. You know what? I'm back. Because WWE is fucking him in the ass right now. Seriously. Fuck Owens. We're back. Fuck Finn Balor. Fuck Owens. Fuck Owens. Fuck Android. Owens was uh, Owens back in the lower mid, uh, the upper mid card is kind of where he was to begin with. You know, he he wasn't even supposed to be on the main roster for more than like two months. It was supposed to end at like I heard the end of June. Obviously, we're almost to August. He's still in the main event. He was on Raw's main event. So I think they're just trying to shuffle him around. But, that uh, was a great main event, though, last night. It Six was. I disagree. I mean, oh, they, they, really, they really didn't do anything to the character. All they did was focus on Taker and Brock, which I think was a great angle. But I think they kind of fucked up in the way they booked it. With the Divas and everything, I mean, you know, having one Divas match, and, you know, I think that would have been a good way. The way that they did it, they kind of reduced the focus on the major, you know, most of the major angles. Sort of. I mean, yeah, it's, you know. Well, I mean, let's get back to Taker. Yeah. I mean, Taker, I mean, you know, he's he had a great ability to adapt. I mean, a lot of people say, a lot of, you know, a lot of wrestlers, they've said, uh, you know, with the test, you know, with the testament, they say that he's probably one of the hardest workers. He's willing to give back. But, you know, I mean, to see him, he's really, you know, adapted over the years. I mean, to your point, you know, that's what makes a really good gimmick, to see if someone can really develop in that character. Because you don't want to keep seeing the same thing over and over, regurgitated or, you know, restyled into something. Because eventually, like it will show. suffice, you know? Something's going to happen where it's going to be like, we want something new, you know? Perfect person. Big show. Doesn't really have a gimmick. He's just thrown into anything. And he's able to adapt. I mean, I think that's what WWE really looks for in a great gimmick. And, I mean, that's, you know, that's a great, perfect choice. You know, Taker, he's always going ahead and, you know, coming out with the greatest... Stuff you know, he's able. If they, they put him in any situation, he can make it look good. He can be entertaining if he wanted to. He can go ahead and 
you know, be a dick if you wanted to. He could be this bad, scary motherfucker. Everybody looking to be like, what the fuck? Like, it's crazy. But, I mean, as far as best gimmicks, person I think that's probably one of the best gimmicks, and, I mean, we go back to that word, evolve and adapt. I think this character has evolved and adapt over the years a lot. Uh, this is a very controversial character, too. I'm talking, of course, about Goldust. I think Goldust is probably one of the best gimmicks in WWE, simply over the fact that he can bring a, a great response out of people. Because if you've seen how you know how it was back then, people were looking at him saying, you know, you know, what's going on? There's something, you know, there's something really not right here. You know, this guy's kind of you know just doing all these things and everything. It's not cool. The way he was acting, you know, and they actually accused him of stuff, and you know, he kind of got into that, and it got to his head a little bit. But I mean, that's where it was like that line of reality, and you know, the the wrestling world where it was just gimmicks, you know, storytelling. I think that that really did get into something, you know, that really, as you know, if it really gets into somebody, that's how you know that they're really invested into that. I mean, you know, if someone if WWE came up to you and said, okay, this is gonna be your character. You're gonna be, uh, you know, flamboyant, um, kind of girlish. Yeah, fem feminine, you know, femi fatale, but still a guy. You know, how would you react to that? You know, how would you say, oh, uh, you know, would you be comfortable doing that, knowing that you got a son, you got, you know, your family watching you, people are watching everything, you know? He has his daughter to watch this. He has his wife, who was yes. in his gimmick, basically. Yeah, his, yeah. I mean, his his family got really tied up into it. But I mean, you know, that's another his thing. His daughter, know? his daughter Dakota, was actually at a lot of the raw tapings also, while he and, was doing this character. I mean, yeah. When we take a look back at all the best gimmicks and what really built them, when they involve family, that really does you know make something really good. Like for example, when you see Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero. Eddie Guerrero, fantastic wrestler, fantastic. Oh yeah, and they brought in Dominic and Ray's wife. I mean, that was a pretty intense angle. That was uncomfortable, but you know, something that tied people emotionally. The same thing with Goldust. You know, he had some kind of emotional, you know, had some kind of emotional attachment because you've seen what happened, what's happening in his personal life. You've seen what's happening in him, you know, in the wrestling world. But you know, to see that, that was something that. And especially when they incorporated. Cody into the picture and Dusty. I mean, and you know, to go back to the evolution and uh, you know, adapting, he really did over the years. You know, he was he he later grew on into becoming a veteran. You know, and and look in the ruthless aggression era. Look at him in uh you know um like now right now recently with the roads with Cody with Stardust all this he's he's able to adapt and help further other talent too. And I mean with Booker for example. Booker and, you know, Book Death, they were really, really entertaining. That was a fun team. They were a really, really fun good. team. You know, you had this guy that was acting kind of fruity, and you're looking at him like, you know, what the hell is this guy doing? It's like, I was yeah. actually listening, well, I was actually watching the interview he did with Howard Stern, Goldust. Oh, that was priceless. When he had a stutter and all that. He played he it actually, off really well. He actually put his character on the interview, the Goldust character. Which I was like, wow, that's someone who's actually faithful to the company to actually bring his character out of the business. I mean, he was very invested in his character, too. I mean, you know, you could run down a whole long list. Ultimate Warrior, 
uh, Macho Man, Hulk, Taker. Taker. These guys were, were all invested in their characters so much that they were portrayed in their real life. Notably, most notably, you know, Ultimate, uh, you know, Ultimate Warrior, Macho. There were these guys that were able to, you know, tap into the, oh yeah, you know, all this, you know, they were able to go through that, and they like, Taker, brought their personality. Taker never broke character off camera either. Never, and even at UFC, UFC had this presence where it was like the thing okay. with Brock, right? Yeah. I think that actually started that rivalry. I think that we should make a topic about this. And it is very, very interesting. We should. I we won't should. mind doing that for the next podcast. I agree. I agree. Where's your neck? It's an idea. Uh, getting to my pick, right? Yes, yep. yes. We're ready. Right. So, you know, um, well, I just want to give my thoughts on um, Goldust. You know, I, I think what was most important about his character was that in the time of the Attitude, well, just prior to the Attitude Era, but I think he had a hand in playing the... Uh, in terms of pushing the envelope, in terms of, you know, sexual innuendo and uh, the way things came across, um, he was very good with that kind of thing. He, he had his own look. I mean, the blonde wig, the face paint, um, his manager, Marlena, you know, she would sit in the director's chair with the big cigar. It was all just very different, and, um, and he kind of just made it work. And then the guy could wrestle, too. The only thing is, I can't recall... Uh, a match, you know, where, you know, that really made him a star. You know, I feel like the feuds he was in were, were pretty notable, but, you know, there's not really one breakout performance from him. You know, that's the only thing with him about, you know, uh, with him about me. Um, but going to my pick, um, again, this guy, come, he derives from the Attitude Era, but he really came alive in, I'd say, around the 2004-2005 mark. He was pretty much an up-and-comer, former tag team wrestler, uh, evolved into the, you know, the upper card, and then had a run with the World Championships. Uh, if you're not sure who I'm talking about, um, look no further than the rated R superstar. That would be Edge, uh, in my opinion. Um, you know, he's always had the the look. He definitely had the skills. He's a high flyer. Um, he could cut a promo, like, insane. Um, I personally feel like his heel gimmick as uh, the rated R superstar, you know, when, when he was when he had the family stable with them, you know, he was on top of SmackDown. He pretty much made SmackDown a, a can't-miss show. Um, and he's good at stealing words. Yep, his uh, his facial expressions were top notch. Uh, he knew how to sell a moment, um, and this guy just pretty much knew how to evolve his character. I mean, he started out with Christian, then he was on his own for a little bit, and then he started taking on this kind of hardcore attitude kind of thing, and he became you know Mr. Money in the Bank. He was banking on being an ultimate opportunist, and then he evolved to the Rated R era, you know. Uh, which started, you know, claiming bringing back ratings. So his characters evolved, like, here and there. And obviously, towards the end, you know, he, he turned into a face. I personally think, as a heel, he he was better off. Uh, he was more of, a, more of a draw that way. But eventually, the fans, you know, they just love him too much that they can't boo him. So when that happens, he'd eventually have to turn the guy. He still made it run, though. Um, I mean, he's cut his hair as of late, you know, but... Uh, at 
you know, it doesn't take away from his look. You know, he's still a very good promo. His name's still around in WWE programming. You know, if you watch the network, he's still on there. Um, he appeared on Raw earlier this year. Um, he's actually going to be in a WWE movie, they said, yeah, very shortly. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's, you know, the sky's the limit for him. It, it kind of sucks, that, you know, that uh, too much uh, damage in the ring pretty much stopped his career, like, dead short. Um, I don't want to know, like, how, you know, close it was to being a scary situation. You know, it's unfortunate, but at the same time, it opens the doors for other guys to come through, and they all have his, you know, his kind of ability, his kind of drive, but he knew how to make a match work. And he I'd, would still I'd, be around now if it wasn't he, for his yeah, neck he injury. Would, he would still be around. Um, his feud with Taker... Uh, was classic. He had a lot of money feuds right there. Um, I think he's probably the one guy I could watch John Cena wrestle and, you know, not really bat my eyes away from the product. You know, he, he was he was a, a damn good heel. Um, another uh, example of a guy who's evolved over time to become something more. And, uh, you know, while he's lightened up on the rated R gimmick, it's, it's still attached to his name. And when you think of Edge, arguably that nickname comes to mind. So, you know, that's why I'm going to go with Edge. That's not a bad pick at all. Great pick. I personally, I loved Edge as a heel. No matter who he was in a rivalry with, it was gold. And even though he's retired, he still does stuff in the company with his wife, Beth Phoenix. Which I didn't even know they were even together. Yep. But Edge, one of the greatest of all time. I kind of wish he was on the commentary team. Yeah. I and think, yeah. I just mean, for the fact should... he's great on the mic, that would have been yeah. perfect. Yeah. I think, yeah. I mean, I think he should be co- incorporated into programming more. I mean, if you look at, uh, he he got injured uh, by Brodus Clay, of course, Tyrus, now wrestles for TNA. And, and GFW. GFW, too. But that dickhead just, you know, messed everything up. So now everybody's like, wow. You know, they say, like, oh, screw you. But. I mean, ever since that happened, you know, everybody was like, come on, man, you know, that's not cool. But yeah, Everyone knows the real injury is because of the spears. I mean, it could be the spears. It could be the, you know, spearing off the 15-foot ladder, the countless, you know, trauma and everything over in the ring over the years. But I think, like, you know, I mean, he made a really good decision, and that was a good decision for him, and it brought him some longevity. Because, I mean, if you've seen some people like Kurt Angle, WWE was trying to, you know, cut him down and say, you know, calm down. You shouldn't be doing this. You should actually preserve, you know, your life now. This isn't good. This is dangerous. And, you know, he kind of batted away from it saying, you know, I'm, I still love this. I love wrestling. I'm, I'm going to keep on doing it. Well, now and, look at him. He has a tumor in his neck. And, and that's how severe it gets. You know, he, you know, you have paralysis. Next thing you know, you're going to have paralysis. You know, you can't feel your limbs. You can't feel nothing. You're, He's going to be paralyzed you know, within the next couple of years. I know it sounds horrible saying that about someone, but it's true. He's going to be paralyzed in the next, I give it two or three years. I mean, it's painful to see that. You know, it's painful. Like, you know, it's, I mean, you know, the passion, you got to love that. But at the same time, you know, it's you're too kind much of passion. It's too much. And it, it gets too extreme. You know, it's like, you know, you got to calm down and actually consider your life. But, I mean, Edge, great, great personality, great talent. You can go ahead and put a bunch of you know a bunch of seats in the house, no problem, and sell a show out. 
But, I mean, you know, I think the way that WWE is trying to incorporate him, I think WWE should go another step further and try to incorporate him more. But, um, I mean, you've yeah, seen... you've he, seen he uh, no problem putting talent over. He definitely can. I think he definitely... How about this? Let me ask you guys this. Edge, is he, uh, like, you know, uh, Seth Rollins, is he the new Edge? I, I could definitely see the comparison. Uh, he had his own stable surrounding him, his world champion, the long hair, the, the high-flying. You know, he's close to the top of the card, um, arguably has it in with uh, management and the storylines. There's a lot of parallels to their characters, but I think the one thing that Edge has that Seth Rollins doesn't is you could buy Edge as a credible you know, threat as a heel, Rollins, you can't really do that with because he's done too much running away. He's kind of been a little portrayed too much as a coward to really be taken seriously. Okay, yeah, he's got a few clean wins, you know, over guys like Dean Ambrose and Randy Orton, so on and so forth. You know, that's kind of sold his, his reign as something, you know, more than average. But at the same time, you know, when it, when it comes to the big fights... I just can't. I just can't see it. You know, I, I just don't see him on the same level as Edge. His promo skills have gotten a lot better, but you know, I still don't think he could carry a, a promo segment on his own. He always needs some kind of help or some kind of support. But then again, he's still evolving as a as a character and as a wrestler on his own. And he's he's been around arguably you know close to around maybe ten years, so he's still got a lot of time left. But you know. Where he's been at so far, it's been encouraging. So it's going to be interesting to see how far he gets, and I'm sure he can only get better from there. But as of right now, I wouldn't put him on the same level as Edge as far as a draw. You know, because right now he has the title, but when he loses that, the follow-up is going to be key. So that's going to be interesting to watch. I agree uh, with Nick. I agree. But it's like the same thing Nick just said. Once Seth loses the title... He'll be in the somewhere lost in the mix. Edge lost the title. He was still in the picture. He was still a relevant name to incorporate into a title run. Seth won't have that same effect. I mean, yeah. It's just, you know, I think it's just development. As we were talking before, whenever you get a character, whenever you get a gimmick, so to say, a gimmick, you have to see it evolve, and you have to see it grow into something that's different, something that's new, something that's a transformation, not something that's just the same or something that's just enrooted and just it keeps getting enrooted to the point where it's, okay, just the same bland stuff. You want it to change. You want it to something, you know, to move forward. I mean, with Seth, I think that he needs a little more time. Eventually, we'll see something. It's going to be interesting. Again, you know, you guys are right to see what's going to happen. But I just how... There was yeah. also never a match Edge had. That was a horrible match. Seth has had a few already. I mean, yeah, there's some cases where, you know, somebody carried over and, you know, they just helped him out. And then it wasn't, you know, it wasn't actually him doing the match. But, I mean, again, that's, you know, it might be the lack of experience, the lack of, you know, a lack of uh, time, you know, seeing him there. But, I mean, yeah, only time will tell, you know. But, um... I mean, that goes into our other topics. So now we're going to talk about the worst gimmicks. We already talked about the best gimmicks, you know, the, the gimmicks that land people after their careers to movies, appearances on television shows, and all that great stuff. And, I mean, you know, that, that's that's the probably the highest 
don't know, the highest achievement anyone can get is that with their character, with what they've done, the work that they've done, they can become something different, you know, something bigger, and they got opportunities there. Now we're going to talk about probably the worst gimmicks, you know. So, I mean, there's a lot of times where, you know, you're looking at TV, you're saying, they could do this to this guy. They could do this with this guy. But what, you know, what are they missing? Why are they, you know, why are they not letting this guy grow? Why are they letting them, you know, do this? Why are they do it? And then next thing you know, you see them crumble, and you see them slowly fade away to the point where they just, you know, you see them on WWE.com or some other site saying, you know, this person got released, you know? But... I mean, what you know? In your minds, what do you think really brings a gimmick to a grinding halt? The lack of charisma, the lack of fans. Uh, no connection to the fans. I mean, fa- I mean, <laughs> fans are aren't stupid. You know, if they see something that isn't clicking, they're gonna react very negatively towards it. Sometimes you could see a reaction in of itself as, you know, uh, a good thing, but when it's just a constant bad reaction, you know, it's something has to be done. Um, you, you know, we've seen it this year with, like, Roman Reigns. We've seen it with uh, New Day. Um, you know, Very Matt famous, Tim- uh, Fandango. Maybe you've seen Fandango in a couple of years ago. You know, he had the whole, you know, everybody singing his theme. Yeah. Now, where do you see him? You know? I mean, yeah. yeah. I'm, I mean, it's, un- it's unfortunate, but, you know, that... Nobody knows doesn't know when to change things up with guys, or when they do choose to do it, it's a little bit too late, and they can't really salvage what made that character work to begin with. Like, um, okay, look at yeah. Zack Ryder. Horrible gimmick, but the fans love him. And that's because he got over on his own using YouTube, ironically enough. I mean, you know, it's a, I mean, it's a mixture of things when you're considering a character. You know, we, I mean, we can agree, all agree on that. It's not just, you know, what someone can do, but how, you know, how, in what ways, how can they make it new? How can they do something in a way that it's, you know, it's not just WWE's credit, but they can do on their own. But do you feel like some of the talents are limited now? Because, you know, we're entering this era where... It's the gimmick era now. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, they call it, they're dubbing it the reality era because... There are no more heels, no more faces. There's no more of that old, you know, oh, I'm going to, you know, do this to you. None of this, you know, old, you know, shooting and stuff. None of this into the storyline, OD gimmick. Fans are smarter. Everybody knows this. You know, do you feel like the talents are, you know, I mean, especially now, there's no heels and turn, you know, no heels and faces. But yet, you know, they say that there's no gimmicks either now. Do you guys agree with that? Do you, do you guys feel that that's really limiting why people can't turn into things? Like if you see Seth, if you see Roman, that's why they're not, you know, changing anymore? Or their, their characters aren't going anywhere? Not really. They still are gimmicks, stuff. Yeah, I kind of disagree with that one. Because if you look at NXT and how Triple H is running it, true, the characters are, you know, essential to the people that play them. But every everyone involved there kind of has their own... Thing that makes it work. And like Enzo and Cass. Yeah, like Enzo and Cass. They have charisma through the roof. You know, it baffles me why they still haven't gotten a main roster call-up. They could get the tag division a real shot in the arm that it really needs. But, you know, they're essentially Italian loudmouths. Um, you look at a guy like Finn Balor, you know, he's, he's got like a, a kind of like a bipolar personality. Solomon Crow's a, a hacker who, you know, hacks into the programming. <laughs> 
Um, you have um, Mojo Raleigh. Total Diva. Um, Baron Corbin. Boss. I mean, there's a list, yeah. I mean, um, but, you know, comparing the Attitude Era, where, you know, there's not there's not that PG rating, you know, where there's not that limit of, oh, you can't say that on TV, oh, you can't do that on TV. You know, you can push the envelope, you can do something. Like, for example, you know, Stone Cold, infamous figure, everybody knows, he could do whatever, you know, he could do whatever he wants. He could stick the finger, you know, do this, do that. The Rock, he could insult people, say he's going to shove something up someone's rectum or something, and that's entertaining. But, you know, I think now it's kind of harder now for the talent to actually grow. Because if you see the position that they're being placed in, you know, they have all these limitations on them. But, you know, they, they I think they're lost in their creativity because, you know, they're probably just looking at how people did it before and they're saying, hey, maybe I should do, do it like this. And then next thing you know, they say, oh, I can't because, Well, know. they lost it once Linda ran for Senate and that brought the TV rating down. I agree. I mean... That whole PG era completely made it into a Saturday Night cartoon, you know? But, um, That's I mean, basically what it is now. I mean, that whole period was pretty bad, you know? But, I mean, uh, yeah. So, I mean, we'll talk about the uh, worst gimmicks, you know? Um, starting with Nick, what do you think is the worst gimmick in WWE history? Or, uh, in your opinion? Yeah, well, <laughs> when you go to a bad gimmick, I mean, there's so, so many of them. I mean, there really is. even looking other companies as well. I'm going to stick to WWE for this one. Um, I was, My head was almost dead set on, on going with Curl and White, you know, which was basically Chavo Guerrero denouncing his Hispanic heritage. But if, oh, if my, one that aspect... That was such of, a horrible one. Yeah, one, um, that's not my pick, though. I'm going to point to his caddy, you know, who we now, you know, Nick Nemeth, who we now know as Dolph Ziggler, and where he started out from, which would be a group of male cheerleaders who were known as the Spirit Squad. Now, my problems with this uh, mainly range to the fact that here you had five developmental characters who were almost as hot as could be. You know, they came from OPW at a time when Paul Heyman was running it. And he, he, he created a lot of buzz, you know, kind of like with NXT right now. Um, he had Johnny Jeter and, you know, uh, one of the other top superstars, you know, in a money feud. And Jeter was really primed for great things. Um, people were really talking about Ken Doan, who was also an up-and-coming talent. You know, he had a money leg drop, as you saw. And, you know, once they brought these guys up, it was like, all right, great, great, really, really good news. But then you saw the gimmick. And uh, Nick, was... I have a question about your, your pick. Yeah. Wasn't Dolph not supposed to be the big talent out of there? Wasn't it supposed to be, like, uh, what's the name? It was supposed to Kenny be... Kenny Dykstra or something? Yeah, it was supposed to be... And, and the name change. Don't even get me started on the name change. Like, Ken Doan, that sounds like a kick-ass name. Like, you can run... That really does. Kenny that could Dykstra, be a perfect name. Just not the same. It, it doesn't really roll off the tongue. There's no question that's why his singles run flopped. Um, they were pretty much doomed from the start here. Um, I don't know if they were victims of the DX... You know, the PG-DX revival from 2006... Though they made good rivals for that kind of thing, it kind of killed um, any momentum they would have had. The only one to really succeed from this was Dolph Ziggler, but I think it almost took about five years after that gimmick for him to really make any kind of place. And that was just based off his abilities alone. 
Um, even then, he took the Dolph Ziggler name from, you know, I don't think much was supposed to happen from that because he was basically the guy who went around shaking everyone's hand and introducing himself. He had to get, get over on his own. Um, but it essentially murdered, like, the careers of, like, Ken Doan and Johnny Jeter, you know, they've actually lost, like, they've moved on to other things. It's just unfortunate to see, you know, what would have been done had they been brought up organically. Um, I kind of think the whole Nexus angle from 2010 was kind of like a redo of that thing. They did it right then. Um, you know, a few names came around then, you know, obviously it's still around now, so, you know, that's a testament to how successful it was. Though their most notable angle was how they came up on Raw and pretty much just dismantled the show. But, you know, I, I think the Nexus angle was kind of an attempt to redo the Spirit Squad angle, you know. just throw, better. You know, yeah. So, and, I mean, their look, their gimmick was, like, super annoying. Um, I mean, they're, they're, they were good at being, like, pesky heels, but, you know, it could only take you so far. And giving that kind of thing to a group of up-and-comers, you know, you can't really look past it. <laughs> Everyone's kind of slapped with that spirit squad, you know, uh, reminder when it comes to those five guys. Um, I mean, I'm happy Ziggler's been able to move on from all that, but you can't say the same for the other four. He probably regrets doing that gimmick, too. Probably. Um, he was definitely under the radar in the group. Um, I'd say Kenny was probably the leader there. Which made sense, you know, given that he was a hot name at the time. But, you know, it didn't give him any momentum at the same time either when they disbanded. I think, uh, you know, factions, that's right. I think, you know, most of the factions that ever were made, especially if it's a faction that's more than five people. I mean, Vince, you know, you've said in the past that he doesn't like factions at all. He doesn't like them at all. With, there's some exceptions to the five or more. Yeah, I mean, there's, because there are a couple that did work out yeah. very, very well. Yeah, there's many in history, but um, I mean, you know, as of recently, like you know, with factions, they really haven't worked. Like, I mean, you could exclude the Shield, you could probably exclude uh, DX, you know, all these, you know, great, great, you know, NW, all these great tag teams. I mean, the Core, for example, the Core, that, that was horrible. That was horrible. Uh, Nexus was that was just I was looking at, it, I was like, that's the worst time WWE had ever. Uh, what else? Um, Spirit Squad, like you said, but um, I mean, this you know, there's a lot of gimmicks that just really, uh, you know, the, the you look at them and they say, why did they give these people, you know, this this gimmick, and have them go for this one cause when they could have, you know, done something else with them, you know, and that's really frustrating because you know you look at that and you say they're just really putting them on a bad road. I mean, they there was a couple that were horrible gimmicks that still worked out good though. I mean, in a way, it actually changed them and made them into something, you know, greater for themselves. Because, you know, you get to saw them break out and do something different than everyone else. And everyone looked at them and attention was on them. But, um, I mean, you know, as far as, you know, for example, my pick. Uh, I would say my pick for the worst gimmick, I would say would be a single superstar right now. Um, Wade Barrett. Because... <laughs> If you've seen Wade Barrett, the way that he's gone, it's, uh, I mean, he's so uncoordinated. It's so, you know, they have no plan with him. They're just continually giving him something that's just, okay, you know, here and there, it's just shuffling him around and stuff. 
you know? And it's frustrating because, you know, if you've seen him, he was in Nexus and stuff, he was doing something big there, and then next, you know, he's the leader of that group, he broke out, then he had the core, that was like, okay, fine, you know, he stepped down, now he's this, and then he slowly crumbled down, down, down. And then when they had this whole thing with the bare knuckle brawler and bad news, to me, that was just, I just look at that like, nah, you know, that's not really doing anything for him. I, I did like the uh, bare knuckle brawler gimmick. Yeah, um, that was good. The bad news thing was when it started to kind of jump the shark for me. I mean, um, right, yeah, I mean, there's so much you could do with it. Yeah, I mean, if you look at now, they're so uncoordinated with them now. First they call him Wade Barrett, then they said, no, no, no let's call him Barrett, then they said, no, 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 let's call him Wade Barrett again. And now, like, you see them now, let's what call him doing? bad news, now let's call him King Barrett. Yeah, and now, uh, yeah, I mean, now what you see him now is, now he is, uh, they said supposedly they're dropping the Wade, King Wade Barrett, now just doing King Barrett. I mean, to this point, you know, all the fans are just looking at this saying, what are they really doing for this guy? How is this guy's career really mapped out? He hasn't evolved at all. He's jumping around, shuffling, you know, here but and the there. But the thing is, he is very talented. They just don't know what to do with him. Uh, I mean, what I see, from what in my opinion, I see that there's going to be a point where they're just going to come up to him and say, we, we tried everything, we don't know what to do, we're going to release you because we can't do this anymore. But, I mean, you know... To see, like, if you've seen all the stuff that he's doing extracurricularly, like, he's actually pretty good. He has a good personality. I gotta say that. But, you know, as far as in, in wrestling and seeing what he can do, we really can't tell, you know? I mean, can he really break out and be, uh, you know, a personality that can really do something? I mean, he has a look. That's probably the only thing that's separating him, in my opinion, you know? He got the body. He got everything. But what, you know, what else can they give him? He got the promo skills, but what else... Are they going to give him, you know? That's true. Yeah, they booked him into a bad hole. Um, they actually really had a, a good chance to drop the whole King thing, you know, had he lost at Battleground, but they let him win. And I just have a bad feeling it's just going to be, like, the story of his career these next few years or so. You know, he, I don't give him that much longer, though. He's not really emerging. You're really doing anything of substance. It really, it's really a testament when the way he was brought up, you know, um, he had a good look to him, good abilities. Um, I just, I just, it just baffles me, like, what they've done with him since then. Um, but hopefully maybe management looks at what they have and can somewhat shift their way around it, you know? Hopefully they will. I mean, you know, what will be really frustrating is if he becomes another... Scotty Goldman, if he comes, I mean, at least he's not another Scotty Goldman. He's not another Chris Harris, you know, whatever the gimmick they gave him. They're not. He's not another uh, Caval. He's not another, you know, um, uh, like one of the stars didn't, you know, they gave him one chance and they completely dropped him. Uh, There's a few. Thinking, I'm thinking. I'm but, thinking. But Caval was the big one because yeah. look what he became after that. Yeah, I mean, he was the uh, Derek Bateman. Another one, Derek Bateman. Like for example, Derek Bateman, Caval. Um, you know, Chris Harris, uh, what else did I say? Who else? I keep thinking who else. Drew Galloway. Drew Galloway. I mean, they gave these guys one chance. They, they put them out and they're saying, this guy's the future. He's the next big thing. And then the next, few, next three months, oh, you're released. Sorry, we don't have nothing for you. That's just frustrating. You know, it wastes and time. Look it, at, yeah. I know, I, I admit, I actually watched an episode of TNA last week. What is TNA? It was horrible. What is this garbage? What is TNA? It was horrible, but there was one match that actually caught my eye. It was Ethan Carter the Third 
versus Drew Galloway, also known as Derek Bateman versus Drew McIntyre. It was a great fucking match. It was beautifully worked. The only problem was that EC3 just won the championship, and you couldn't yeah. really buy Galloway really winning it. Um, I think it if just... they had made it like a few months later, um, it could have been something people could really invest. But I think it was just an excuse to have Galloway in, in the main event. It was a it good was match, a... but I, you know, I just feel like. It was I don't just know, they're the, the fact wrong, they're doing the wrong thing with EC3 because the way he emerged was being like this, uh, this like silver spoon, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was never like a coward and just looking for the easy way out like this whole time, and then suddenly he wins the championship, the biggest accomplishment to date, and he can't even take his character seriously. I mean, it just baffles me what TNA is doing right now. I think it was just a good match because it was both of them were titled The Future of the WWE. And then both released. Yeah, I, hey, I think Drew was known as the, the chosen one. Yeah. Jeff Jarrett was given that name. And uh, and I think Drew was, I don't know, it was, uh, who else? Derek Bateman was an NXT winner, and they thought, yo, he's going to be really entertaining. And then they dropped the ball. I think it's yeah. I think it's the fact that it's politics probably too. You know that like you know there are some people that are in the upper office, like corporate office. They probably just look at certain people and they say, "I don't like this guy," simply because of the fact I don't like this guy. I could name a really good probably someone who's probably doing that all the time. Kevin Dunn. Look at that dickhead. He's probably just looking up and saying, "You know, I don't like this guy." He doesn't have no luck. He doesn't, he doesn't have, have no luck. Doesn't have no luck. And that's why. Hey, you have. And then you have someone like Mason Ryan who has the look, who isn't talented at all. He's to look alike. You could do something with that. But what do they do? They just, oh, nah, we're not having this guy. I mean, it's it's frustrating, you know? Well, speaking of Mason Ryan, that leads to my pick for the worst gimmick. Yes, indeed. My worst gimmick happens to be someone who was very big coming up in the early 2000s. He was in a great faction which had the past, the present, and two of the future. But my pick for the character was the last two years of this guy's career, Batista. Why Batista? He had the whole like prima donna character in the last year or two of his career. Like when he came back at the Royal Rumble. He was just a prima donna. I, I disagree. I mean, you know, um, Batista's a great talent, I think. I mean, you know, he's gone into... Know, I'm not doubting his talent. I just didn't like the whole prima donna gimmick they gave him. I think I think it fit him because, I mean, you know, he was supposed to be this dickhead, you know, this guy that was just, you know, brass and things that he's, you know, he's a shit. Like, if you compared him to a real-life guy in, you know, the world right now, he'd be Kanye West. And I think that's what they were trying to go for back in the day. They were trying to make him the, you know, the Kanye West, the dickhead, the guy that just... You know, it's a dick naturally. But I mean, I mean, to a testament, I think they could have varied it. They could have done something different with that. They kind of, they kind of just laid it out and said, okay, this is what you're gonna be done. But just give, the fact he quit twice. Yeah, I mean, they didn't give him any, like you know, any fluid motion. They just went ahead and just said, all right, fine, let's just you know make it rock. That's like, that's it done. But you know, I mean, he quit twice. You know, as he said, where does it go from here? Like, if he were to come back tomorrow. Would people take him seriously? Would people actually look at him and say, oh, you know, this guy they, is something we can invest in? They won't say that, but 
being the fact he's one of Triple H's good friends, he'll be thrown into like the main event picture right away, like he was last time. See, see, that's another. I mean, that's you know, that's another thing. People, you know, they have that. You know, a lot of people have the misconception. You know, they have that conception that oh, you know, he's good with the upper echelon. You know, why should we have this guy? You know, have this in a certain way. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, to a degree, I think. You know the way that it, he, the situation that he's put in, like you know, like I was saying before, sometimes you know when you're put in a certain situation, you're really limited in what you can do. So and I it's think like, it's like everyone says though, when you get a job, it's not what you know, it's who you know. True, I agree. I agree to that. What do you think, Nick? Batista has the worst gimmick. Um, sort of, not really. It depends on kind of. As a muscle-bound guy, like, in evolution, I mean, you can't even argue that he was uh, part of the foundation of that group because everyone kind of had their own role in it. Um, there's been elements to his character that have worked for him that he's, you know, taken with him. But at the same time, you know, he's, he's not really the most convincing promo. Um, his ring skills are kind of limited. Um, it takes a lot of power moves for him to put on a good match. Uh, at the same time, you know, can't really call a really breakout performance for him. Um, and then I don't even want to talk about his 2014 return because if if management thought fans were going to get behind that, I there's no question why they went towards Daniel Bryan. Um, I think yeah, I think they took it so. What they did was I think they just. They generalized too much, and they generalized heavily. They believed in that generalization, and they made it so that it was something that that defined them completely. You know, that's that's yeah, that was something that really made them, uh, you know, that okay. Like I think they were just thinking that okay, they're gonna bring Batista back. Oh my God, you know, he's coming back after four years. You know, oh that's gonna be big. Holy shit! Like you know, oh my God, he's back. This this guy was the you know he was the Flag, you know, the flag holder of the WWE. Oh my God, man! This is like our, you know, this is the Austin Rock, Cena, you know, Cena Rock. I mean, no, Cena, Dista, Rock, Austin. You know, oh my God. But then, you know, they generalized too much to the point where they said, okay, this guy's gonna sell tickets. Let's just have him win. And the next thing you know, people, you know, I think he needed more time to develop. Because if you remember, he came back. I think what one or two, like weeks before the pay per view. He came back two weeks before the Rumble. I mean, does that give you time to actually develop, you know, to actually make him believable? And Or do you think, you know, they kind of... If they kind he would have came back the night of the Rumble as a surprise person, people probably would have not been as pissed of him winning the Rumble, though. I agree. Just for the fact he came back two weeks before and said, oh, I'm entering the Rumble. And then, boom. Everyone was like, okay, he's winning the Rumble. I think, yeah, I agree. I mean, he, it's always worked for him when he was a surprise return. I mean, remember his return back in, uh, I remember, what was it? He had that injury in 2007 with Henry. Henry injured him. And then next thing you know, um, you know, he, got, he had that torn uh, quad, I think it was, or something. And, um, you know, he came back, and he had this whole big feud with, Henry and everybody started noticing and they're saying, "Yo, this guy is fucking crazy. It's real good." Like they actually, and they made him believable. And then when they put him in the title picture with Taker, and he had some great matches with that. 
and people love that. But, you know, I think, again, it's the circumstance, you know, the environment, what's going on. And, you know, how can you really build a character when, you know, you're, you're supposed to fight two weeks, everybody has already the notion that he, this guy's going to win, and you're going to give him the plate. So basically they're thinking that, okay, he, he has a silver spoon in his mouth, why the fuck should we believe this guy when we like, know that this is going to happen? Like the perfect example of the surprise coming back and winning. When John Cena came back at the Madison Square Garden Royal Rumble, no one knew he was coming back because everyone knew he was coming back in like five, six months after that. Comes back in number 30, wins the Rumble. No one was pissed. The crowd was on their feet because, I mean, that was just a matter of reaction, I think. Because, I mean, again, emotionally, you have to be emotionally tied to it, you know? Because, um, I mean, especially now, fans are pretty smart, you know? They're not, they're not dumb. They're not completely, you know, they're not going to say, oh, did they really burn him? Did they really bury him in a casket? Everybody knows, you know, that what's going on, really. They know that it's there's something going on there. You know, there's Not always that. It's just the fact with the dirt sheets and the internet. Everyone knows what's happening way before it even actually happens. I mean, the times change, the fans change. You know, the mentality changes to the point where you know they they can't insult insult our intelligence anymore because you know they they know that okay we're predicting every single move now. You know, whether it's the gimmick, whether it's the storyline, they know that what we're gonna do probably we're probably you know, we're probably looking at that saying, okay, this is going to happen. This is probably how it's going to go. Okay, and then and what ends up happening probably, something turns out and we say, oh, that's exactly what we we're thinking, you know. And we just say, oh, wow, you know, that's not shocking. That's not, you know, just saying, oh, wow, you know, oh, I knew that was going to happen. But, you know, what can we say, you know? Like the only thing that people probably didn't really expect was Seamus winning the Money in the Bank. A lot of people thought he would, but everyone probably would have put their money on Reigns winning. True. I mean, the way that they had booked that, it was it was kind of predictable in the way that they did it. It kind of looked like, you know, who's, we already know who's going to win. But then, you know, the way that they had the matches, the way they were building them up, it kind of changed it. Because you know it, it changed people's perspective, or you know their perception on how you know who's going to win, what was going to happen, and all that. Um, I mean, you know, we're we're almost at that mark. We're about to run out of time. What I want to do is I want to go through. You know, I'm gonna play a game with you guys. Uh, I'm gonna throw out a name. How you know what? How about this? I'll give you a better one. All three of us will throw out a name. We'll talk about best or worst, and we'll talk briefly about why. So we'll start with we'll start with Rich. What do you think? Pick one name, and we'll do we'll do like word association. How's that? All right. Well, I'm not sure if you'll be familiar with this person's original gimmick. I know Nick will, but because I know you started watching wrestling kind of later on. Yeah. But you might have heard of this one. Spark plug Holly. Also known as Bob Holly. Yeah. He was with uh, Billy Gunn, right? Mm-hmm. Hardcore. But Nick, you remember how horrible the spark plug gimmick was, right? Yeah, that was that was essentially a mid nineties WWE, just a lot of cartoon. Wrong stuff. place, yeah, wrong place, wrong time. Yeah, but you know, luckily he evolved with the Attitude Era and got repackaged. 
which I was happy. You know, the bleach blonde hair, you know, it was just perfect. And he had crashed with them. You know, it made for something a lot more entertaining. Sure. So. Um, my name, uh, Goldberg. The original Five Moves of Doom. <laughs> I didn't think it was five. I think it might have been like three and a half. I think just concrete bullshit. Because the way that they put him out, he kicked ass, left the ring, done. That's it. I mean, I understand he was, you know, really popular. He was pretty cool. He was like this breakout star. He was a new guy. But there was, was like always... A, he was like a poor man, stone cold. Yeah, he looked like, I mean, you know, they, they put tights on him. He looked like a wrestler from the 80s that's screaming for attention. You know, it's like, I need some help. I need some help. Uh, but it's like, come on, man. Nick? What's your pick? I'll smell. Old school. Underused. Think so? Yeah. I mean, let's break down uh, ECW. You know, how would you rate, you know, how would you see his, you know, his gimmick? And do you think it had an effect on him? Well, being the in fact the I actually saw him in the original ECW, he was amazing in the original ECW. True. What once, about, yeah, what about... Once it was the whole flip over... ECW, WCW versus WWF. That's what killed him. I mean, we could classify him as saying he was, uh, you know, in WCW. I mean, in that angle, probably. But uh, how about WWE Al Snow? That's where they fucked um, up the small character. It was a fixture of the Attitude Era because it was able to push the sexual innuendo. I mean, yeah, they had the, you know, the meat, um, you know, the, um, the uh, yeah, the head. That was pretty. That was pretty cool, you know. But I mean, I mean, they partnered him with Steve Blackman, who wore a giant piece of cheese on his head. It was kind of funny, though. It was, but growing up watching ECW and him being one of the top names there, that just like, what the hell? They kind of mocked him in a way. I think. I mean, like you know, the way they had him, they had him as a trainer on Tough Enough. They made him something, you know, like that, and then he got released. And now he's in DNA, you know, doing their boot camp thing and trying to, to make something out of that. But, I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, we've seen all these gimmicks, you know, and, yeah, I mean, we can all agree that... And me and Nick have seen the worst of the worst in the 90s. Yeah. They, they had a garbage man. They oh, had the a dentist. They had a tax collector. They had a professor. They had a repo man. Hey, you, me you and think, Nick have seen the worst of the worst. Well, you've seen it recently too. I mean, you've seen Simon Dean. Remember that guy, the fitness guru and shit. That oh was God. that That's... was fucking annoying. We had a zombie. I don't know where that came from. That was from. Because uh, they were on sci-fi. Yep. I mean, we had uh, what was it? We had um, the shock vampires. master. Yeah, we had va vampires. We had shock master. We had. But we had a good vampire in Gangrel. Yeah, but then what about later on, 2006? Kevin Thorne. Kevin Thorne, Ariel. I mean, hey, Charlie Martinez is great. Charlie Martinez is great, yes. But the gimmick that they gave them was, what is this, Twilight? Like, this is Twilight and Flashback, basically, foreshadowing that ass. But, I mean, what else? Uh, if you think about, um, what else is there? 
uh, as of recent, there was something. Oh, yeah, the talk show host that talked about Kobe Bryant. Oh, what's his name? Abraham Washington, remember? There you go. The two presidents' names merged together. That was what the hell, like, you know, come on. Uh, who else? I mean, we had a whole bunch of, we had the loudmouth, Mr. Kennedy, MVP, the big, rich, big shot, which was always there, you know, aristocrats, you know, you, know, you can name all of them. There's but, so many that you can name that were horrible, so many that you can name that were great. I think it, it's just that, it, it's just a testament that WWE, I think their mentality has changed over the years. Where they were like, you know, they're probably, you know, they were strategizing on how to um, book people. So they were thinking that, okay, hey, you know, let's just have this guy, um, you know, be, you know, this, let's just make him, you know, play this character. Let him play this character. But most of them were probably based on daily life things that people do, you know, like, like they were. I think they were trying to relate to us in a way, you know. They were just oh, trying yeah. to say, hey. And they had a barber. I mean, they're trying to insult us, basically. I mean, I think people felt insulted. Like, they were saying, okay, you know, there's not really a guy that's really like that. That's 24-7 about this and that, you know, about collecting garbage. Oh, or about being a vampire. Or, oh, being about, you know, being this, being a flamboyant, being a movie star, being uh, et cetera, et cetera. You know, we kind of looked at it, and we were smart enough to say, okay, you guys just said that, you know, you, you wrestling isn't real. So... Why keep insulting us further, you know? We're not... And then, you know, people have that motion of... I mean, you know, you guys probably run this every single day. When people look up to you and say, Oh, you still follow wrestling? You know wrestling's fake. You know, what do you say to them? You say, you know, that's probably a product of that. You know, worst gimmicks, that's probably why, you know, people look at that and say, they don't want that attention for wrestling. They say, oh, you know, wrestling is just... And the thing is, when someone says that to you, Oh, you still watch wrestling, you know it's fake. You ask them, Oh, what do you watch? And they say this show, this show, this show. Okay, I, that's I, I, fake yeah, also. Yeah, I watch Orange is Black. I watch um, uh, what you call it, Game of Thrones. Hey, that's not real either, okay? And it's you know they just watch Thrones, but it's not the same. You know, wrestling is scripted and stuff. So is your show. Exactly. All right. Well, these same thing. Same thing. I mean, movies are like that. Basically, these are just a figment of you know our entertainment. You know, so that we can you know step away. Look at certain things and say, you know, and the next day come on and by the cooler, you know, or for us, you and me, Rich, in the break room and say, oh, yo, this happened. Oh, that happened. You know, that's what people really want. You know, something that can connect us all. Like the kid at pharmacy, I forgot his name. He heard us talking about. It. He's like, oh, you know that shit is fake, right? I just straight up, man. It just pissed me off sometimes. Where I just go, all right, you know what? I'm not even gonna bother saying this kid. There's no reason to. But, you know, I mean, we've seen all the gimmicks, you know, best, worst. We've seen but, the best of the wor- best. We've seen the worst of the worst. But one thing that always stays the same is that it defines, it puts an impact on the way people think, you know, about certain people. But, I mean, you know, again, that, that's also another driving factor as to why, you know, it builds certain storylines, crumbles certain storylines, does certain things to people, makes, you know, puts a different impact on the business and everything. But... I mean, would you guys agree that gimmicks are dead? No. No. Like we said before, NXT has, like we said before, NXT is filled with gimmicks. I mean, especially now, we're not really, you know, it's not really, uh, you know, an era where we are talking about, um, you know, 
about gimmicks anymore. We're not talking about the guy that's extremely into that or extremely into that. I think now it's just like a figment of it. Now it's just, you know, people just going ahead and, um, you know, they embody something, but they just have an idea of it. Because if you think about it, the way that they've been, book they've been booking now, you know, before it was scripts. Now what do they do? Now it's just bullet points, you know? They tell them, okay, you got to do this. Give us your best. It's also like the promos. Now it's like a promo era now. Indeed, I think it is. I mean, if you've seen like with trip with uh, CM Punk, you know, he had that whole era. They gave him the mic, and I think that's where it started. Where they said, "Hey, these guys really have something. We should just, you know, we shouldn't really, you know, tell them okay what exactly to say, what to word. We like, should actually just go and give them an opportunity to like do Bray what they want to do." Bray Wyatt is the best talker right now. He is self-made, and I think that's great. That's fantastic, right there. Like you know, you're really good on the mic when Triple H tells you, just write out a, a promo, hand it to me. I'll tell you what to take out, and that's it. And then you just go. Indeed. I mean, we'll have to see. You know, as far as what you know goes on in the future, if WWE will continue to incorporate incorporate this, see what they can do. But we'll have to see, uh, guys. So it's that time. We'll see you off. Just remember, check out ProWrestlingOpinion.com for your latest wrestling writing material. And if you guys check out the site regularly and you want to check out some episodes, past episodes of the RSN podcast, we're also featured, you know, we also featured on the site. Just go under extras. You'll find RSN podcasts. You'll find all of our past episodes. What other extras do you have there also? Uh, we also, yep, we also feature uh, Booking the Territory podcast, which comes out every Friday, uh, features exclusive superstar <laughs> interviews. Uh, check them out. Um, and then we also have our friends at Bonesaw Productions who come out with Fans Perspective, which is essentially a sports center esque wrestling-related talk show uh, with various topics. Uh, comes out every other Friday. Um, you can check out all the episodes on there. And, you know, just keep checking things out because we got a lot of good stuff coming out. You can check also, us out on Facebook. You can check us out on YouTube. Any future topics, just leave a comment. Maybe your topic will get featured in the future podcast. Indeed. So signing out. See you guys later. Have a nice night.